Alright, okay, it's a great privilege to come your way again with the Bible studies. It's trying to get my light right. Okay. Okay, shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you all the praise. We thank you, Lord, for another time in your presence. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will come and teach us. We pray that you take absolute control of these studies. We pray in Jesus' mighty name that our hearts will be good soils to receive your word. Father, I pray for our trans this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so being um the month of February where um there's a lot of talk about love, I just want to speak briefly on um the, the theme, love fulfills the law. So I'm just going to share my screen. Love fulfills the law. And um, the first scripture I want to read is from First John. The Bible says that... Um, okay, all right. The Bible says that, Behold, I'm sorry, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. That is the first point that I want us to note here. In the book of 1 John, he, he draws our attention to the fact that, first of all, he says, for love is of God. So love is something that comes from God. If love comes from God, then God is the right person to define what love is. I say every time that love is not what Hollywood calls it. Love is not what the world calls it. But if love comes from God, then the person who is who who's, who um, occupies the right position to define what love is, is God. And God has given us the definition of love in his word. And so when you want don't don't let the um, the movies and uh, um, um, the novels that we read distort our idea of what love is. Um, love is of God. It's something that emanates from God. And Bible says that everyone who is born of God knows God and knows God. I'm sorry, everyone who is born of God and knows God. And everyone who loves who love is born of god i'm sorry everyone who loves is born of god and knows god he who does not love does not know god for god is love again it makes a very important point that god is love it means that love is one is, is one of the attributes one of the natures of god love is the nature of god so when you read the bible from genesis to revelation Every single action that God has taken or every single thing that we have read about God stems from the fact that he is love. And every action is an expression of his nature. That is love. You can think about um, whatever you call, what, whatever in the Bible that you think was the worst action that God ever took. But every action that God has ever taken is because of his love for mankind when god prevented or when god sucked adam and eve from the garden it was because of his love when you look at the action on the first value you think that oh 
God didn't like them, and so he sucked them from the garden. But God sucked them from the garden because he loves them. So there is no action that God can take against his nature. His nature of holiness, his nature of righteousness, his nature of love. It is God. This this verse tells us that God is love. And so God's nature is love. He cannot do anything against that nature. Every single action that he takes comes from his nature. And so everything that God does in our lives, things that our relationship with God, we should have this at the back of our minds that everything that God does for us, it is out of his love for us. And so even when you are going through difficult times and you feel like God doesn't like you or God doesn't love you, you have to understand that God has already demonstrated to us that he loves us. So tonight I will be talking about God's love for us and our love towards God, which is our response to his love for us. And so one of the things that we have to notice that God is love. Every single action, everything that he does in our lives is because of his love for us. You could think of the the most painful experience that you've ever had. That made you question the existence of God or question the love of God. Or you can even think about the worst thing that you have done that makes you feel like God doesn't like you anymore or God hates you or God doesn't love you anymore. But nothing takes away from the love of God. He said to Israel that I've loved you with an everlasting love, which means a love that does not change, a love that is eternal, a love that is forever. Because the love that God has for us is an unconditional love. And it is in his nature to love. And so even when you look at the times that God punished um, um, people in the Old Testament, you can tell from the back, if you just sit down and analyze the story and think about it, you see the love of God in the midst of the story. And so God is love. He cannot do anything against that nature. In verse, verse 9, the Bible says, In this, the love of God is manifested towards us, that he sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Now, the ultimate demonstration of God's love, I'm going to mention it again later, is that he sent Jesus Christ to die for us. That is the ultimate demonstration of God's love. So if you ever questioned God's love, Think about the fact that Jesus Christ died for us when we were sinners. We didn't, none of us deserve uh, uh, the death that, none of us deserve the fact that Jesus Christ was supposed to take our place or was supposed to die for us. But it was through the love of God. It was because of the love of God, the love that he had for us. He allowed Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Jesus Christ to take our place. When God created Adam, and Eve, when God created Adam, his main purpose was to have, um, first of all, the Bible says that he created them in his own image. And so Adam was supposed to have the image of God and the, those attributes that God ha, um, has, the attribute of love, righteousness, holiness. But when sin came in, Adam received a contrary nature, a nature that opposes the nature of God. But yet still, God demonstrated his love at the point where mankind were 
mankind was disobedient to him. Nobody was seeking for him. He still find, uh, he still found a way to come into our lives. He still found a way to show us his love. And the ultimate proof of God's love was the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And so sometimes don't let situations speak to you that you are not loved. Sometimes we we seek love from other places and other people and we ignore the love that God has shown us. But the but God has already demonstrated love to us. I believe the first thing we have to do in our lives is to receive the love that God has for us. Instead of searching for love in places and in people that we cannot find, there is an eternal being who has demonstrated love and shown us love. And we are supposed to receive his love. And once we receive his love, we will have peace of mind. Amen. Verse 10 says that in this, and in this is the love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Now, this is being written by a man, um, by John, who, when he started out with Jesus Christ, not that John also loved or was even qualified to preach about love. There were so many things in John's life. But at the end of his life, when he had been with Jesus Christ, he had walked with Jesus Christ, he has had fellowship with Jesus Christ, he has learned from, the, from Jesus Christ and received the Holy Spirit. John began to write so much about love that when you read the first book of John, he talks so much about love. And when you compare John's actions in, in when, when Jesus was around, when he was working with Jesus Christ and the things that he was teaching, you could realize that there has been a transformation in John's, la- in John, in John's life that he, he has so much learned about love for God and love for another person that he is talking to us about love. And he's saying that the only way we can prove that we are children of God is that we should love one another. Now, John did not start out that way. When you read the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 49, this John, when Jesus Christ sent them out to preach, he came back and he told Jesus Christ that in verse 49, the Bible says, Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbid him because he does not follow us. Now, John was saying that this guy that they saw who was casting out demons in the name of Jesus Christ, did not follow them. He was not a member of the church of Jesus Christ. He was not part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. He, ha- he's, he has set up his own ministry somewhere and he was casting out demons. And John went about closing people's churches, shutting down people's ministry because they were not following Jesus Christ. Because they were not following them. John said that we forbid him to preach. We forbid him to cast out demons because he does not follow us. So you see, this same person who in this in the in the gospels we see him to be somebody who does not demonstrate so much love, but after he had walked with Jesus Christ, his life was transformed. This same person was shutting down people's ministry, closing down people's churches. Later in his life, he's teaching us about love. And he's preaching to us that if you do not love, you are not a child of God. In another instance, 
The Bible says that they went to a place in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. They went to a place to preach. And when they went there to preach, their people did not receive them. And when the people did not receive them, John said that, should we call down fire, just like Elijah, to burn down these people? That action appears to be, that doesn't look like somebody who is filled with the love of God. But Jesus Christ said, you do not, Jesus Christ told him that you do not know the spirit that you are made up of. Or you do not know the spirit that reside inside of you. And this same John, later in his life, he had learned so much through fellowship with Jesus Christ, that he is telling us that Jesus Christ died for us. So beloved, if God so love us, we ought to love one another. John is the one who is telling us this. His life had been transformed by the fact that he, he had fellowship with Jesus Christ. He had received the Holy Spirit. His heart had been changed. And now John can love other people to the extent that he can preach and teach about love. And so all of us, who have accepted Jesus Christ, one of the evidence that we have accepted Jesus Christ and that we have fellowship with Jesus Christ is that the power of God begins to transform our lives. That even when we, people that we hate, God heals our heart and transforms our heart, that we are able to demonstrate the love of God. Like Pastor Steve keeps saying always, it's not that any one of us have reached the limit or have attained to that standard even paul himself said one thing that i do is i forget those things that are behind me i press on towards the goal and so all of us need to get to the point where we can love other people because all of us are beneficiaries and recipients of god's love and so we are supposed to demonstrate and give out the love that we have also received Sometimes we think that our offenses or the things that we do against God or against other people should be forgiven. But when other people do things against us or against God, then we think that those people are supposed to be punished. They are supposed to be penalized because they have broken the laws. And God is supposed to punish them. We want to see God punishing other people, but we want our sins to be forgiven. We want our mistakes to be forgiven. The Bible says that just like we expect that our mistakes are to be forgiven, we are supposed to forgive other people's mistakes. Just like we expect other people to love us, we are supposed to, uh, um, to love other people as well. In, in Romans chapter 5, verse 69, the Bible says, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone will even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the Bible is saying that in due time, when we were without strength, when we were helpless, when we couldn't do anything to save ourselves, when we couldn't do anything to deliver ourselves, Christ died for the ungodly. And so when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he had all of us in mind. We were all ungodly people because we had the nature of Adam, because the sin of Adam had been passed on and imputed upon us. And therefore, Christ hanged on the cross for us who are ungodly people, for us who are a result of the disobedience of Adam. But Christ died for us even when we were ungodly. The Bible says for a righteous man, scarcely for a righteous man will somebody die. It means that even if the person is good, 
it will be difficult to find somebody who will die for him. For a good man, the Bible says perhaps someone will dare to do it. But the ultimate demonstration of God's love towards us is that Christ died for us even when we were sinners. And so today, from today, I don't want you to question the love that God has for you. The ultimate um, deliverance that we all wanted or that we all need is the deliverance from sin. And the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life for us. He took our place on the cross. And this is the love. This is uh, um, how God demonstrated his love towards us. That he allowed Jesus Christ to take our place. And so know that you are loved. You are not, God doesn't hate you. God has already shown to you that he loves you. And so when the question of whether the love of God, God loves you or God doesn't love you comes up, be rest assured. When you read from the Bible that Christ died for you, that Christ died for your sins, that should give you hope. That should encourage you that you are loved. You are beloved and God loves you. God has already proven that to you, that he loves you through the death of Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 3, the Bible says, Behold, what manner of love has the what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Now that we are called children of God, it is just an issue of the love of God. The Father poured out his love on us. He just put on, he 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 just through his love on us, he put a new robe on us, which is like he just bestowed it. He gave it to us without doing anything to, to end it. He just gave us his love. Even when we didn't seek him and we didn't look for him. The Bible says that we all like sheep, we are going astray in our own path. But God came for, for us. He looked for us and he poured out his love towards us. And so the Bible says, what manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God? You see, being called a child of God is a title that we should be so proud of when we think about the fact that God is the one who owns or who holds the whole world in in his hand. Everything in this world belongs to God. Imagine if you are um, the son of Even the U.S. president, how proud you are going to be and how you are going to um, remind yourself and remind other people that you are from the family of the U.S. president. But this time you are a member of the family. You are a child of the owner of the whole universe, the one who created the whole universe, the one who has all power. And this was just bestowed upon you. It was given to you as a free gift. Through his love that he has for us. The Bible says, therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are, now, beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know when God, when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, if you know that you have been 
the love of God has been bestowed upon you. You have been made a child of God. God has demonstrated his love to you and you have received that love. The Bible says that once you have the hope that you are going to see him one day and you are going to be like him, one thing that you do is you purify yourself just like he is pure. You walk in purity. See, one of, I believe that the solution to sin when people live a sinful life is a, is a lack of understanding of the love of God. But once you understand the love of God, sin does not become attractive to you anymore. If you understand the love of God, you, you get to the position where you see that grace is not a license to sin. When you fall so much in love with God, you understand that because he is pure, and because you have received so much love from him, you are supposed to walk in purity. You are not supposed to do the things that you used to do before you accepted Jesus Christ. The love of God resolves the issue of sin in people's love, in people's life. In Ephesians, Paul gives a description here about the love of God. And anytime I read this verse, I try hard to understand what Paul is saying. And I still find it difficult to really understand and comprehend everything that Paul is saying in this verse. The Bible says here, this is his hope and his prayer for the church of Ephesus. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole, the whole family in heaven and on, and earth is named, that he should grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through the, his spirit in the inner man. Now, this is where I, I want us to pay attention. He says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul says that the love of God is so wide that you, we, we, if we are rooted that as Christ lives in us, as Christ dwells in our heart, if we are rooted and grounded in his love, we'll be able to understand the width. The love of God is so high, so wide, it's so deep that we cannot comprehend unless we are rooted and grounded in his love when we through a revelation of his holy spirit if the holy spirit reveals the love of god to us through our inner man then we'll be able to understand how wide the love of god is how deep the love of god is when you listen to this song that talks about uh, um, the reckless love of god that there is no wall that he's not going to kick down, no, no shadow that he's not going to light up when he's coming after you. There is no sin that he's not going to tear down when he's coming up for, up after you. The love of God is so deep. The love that God has for us is so wide, is so deep. And there is, to, to be able to comprehend and to, to be able to understand that love of God, it will take a revelation of his spirit for us to be able to understand it. And Paul's prayer for us and for the church is that we will be able to comprehend the love that God has for us. And this can only be possible through his spirit. Now, I just want to talk from, from the love that God has for us. Our response to the love that God has, has for us 
is that we also love him back and then we love other people. And so love that we have received from God is not complete if we don't demonstrate that love towards other people. And so there is the vertical love that we receive from God and the horizontal love that we also demonstrate to other people. And that can even form the symbol of the cross. And so as God has shown us love, our response to this love is that we love other people. We love, first of all, we love God back and then we love other people. Like we read from the the book of John, that he who does not love does not know God. If you are saying that you are a child of God, then you have to love your neighbor. You have to love another person. You have to love love the one next to you. The Bible says that if you are saying that you love God who you cannot see and you hate your neighbor, then you don't love God. Then you don't understand what love is. Because God created every man in his own image. And so when you love your neighbor, it is a way of demonstrating the love of God or the love that you have received from God. Now in my I'm going uh, now the next part of the uh, of the message I'll be talking about the love uh, our love towards other people. Now the Bible says in Matthew chapter 22 verse 23 to 29 that the same day the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him and asked him saying teacher Moses said that if a man dies having no children his brother shall marry his wife and raise him and raise up offspring for his brother now there were with us seven brothers the first died after he had married and have and having no offspring left his wife to his brother likewise the second also and the third even to the seventh last of all the woman died therefore in the resurrection whose wife of the seven shall she be for all had her jesus answered and said to them you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures nor the power of god now these people the sadducees they came to test jesus christ in those in those days in that tradition moses from the law of moses till the time that jesus christ came when a man died his brother was supposed to marry his wife and then bear children for his dead brother and so they came to jesus christ they were trying to trick jesus christ the reason why they came to jesus christ with this question is because the sadducees do not believe in the resurrection However, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. And so they came to trick Jesus Christ with this question. So the Bible says in verse 23, that the same that the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, these guys don't believe in the resurrection, first of all. And so his question to Jesus Christ was not even to learn, but was to trick him or was to, to present an argument that it's like, okay, you, are peop- you people are saying there is resurrection. I'm going to trap you. I'm going to ask you this question to trap you. And so he said that there was a man who had a wife and the man, um, he had, there were seven brothers. One of them had a wife. He died without an offspring or without a child. And so his brother married the wife and his brother um, did not give birth. That brother also did not have an offspring. So he died 
and then all the seven brothers had the woman as wife and then finally the woman also died and so his trick question to jesus christ is that if you are saying there is resurrection then in the resurrection who is going to marry this woman i'm sure at that time he was laughing and waiting for the answer he in his head he would just say that oh this time i've gotten this man but the bible says jesus answered to him and said you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures, not the power of God. Isn't it interesting that the people who argue and the people who make such um, funny arguments and attempt to, to catch you when you preach the gospel to them, it's because they don't know the scriptures and they don't know the power of God. So Jesus Christ said, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. And Jesus answered him and said, in the, in the resurrection, they will not be married. Nobody's going to marry. We'll be like the angels. And so once the Pharisees saw that the Sadducee has been defeated, the Sadducee brought a question about resurrection and has been silenced and has been defeated. Then the Pharisee in verse 34 also brought up his question. So now he feels that, okay, the first guy was not able to trap him. Then let me prove. First of all, he wanted to prove to the Sadducee that they are on the right path. And he wanted to prove to Jesus Christ as well that he understood the law and would be able to cut Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says in verse 34, But when the Pharisee heard that he had silenced the Sadducee, so the Pharisees realized that ah, our neighbors have been silenced. Our enemies have fallen down. So this time it's our turn to show our, our, um, our powers or our understanding of the law. So the Bible says they gathered together. You can imagine when they saw that their enemies had gone down, it was an opportunity for them to shine. So they came together and then they discussed among themselves. Then one of them, who is a lawyer, an expert, probably one who could talk very well in public, said that he asked him a question, testing him. So he's also in this case, his question was to test Jesus Christ. He, he didn't... he. Not necessarily that he wanted to learn. He didn't really want to learn. He just wanted to test Jesus Christ like the Sadducee. And he's saying, and saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. And so Jesus Christ answered the question and said, the answer to your question, the greatest law is that you shall love the Lord your God, one, with all your heart, with all your, your soul, and with all your mind. And he said, this is the first and great command and the second is like this so he's saying that when you love god and you love your neighbor you will fulfill all the commandments he says on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet and so if you are somebody who desires to obey god and follow the voice of god it is just two simple things love the lord your god and love your neighbor. He says, on this too, hang all the commandments. 
if you are able to love the Lord your God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself, you will fulfill all the laws that were ever written in the Bible. When you look at the Ten Commandments, you can divide the Ten Commandments into two. There is a first part that deals with our relationship with God. The first four commandments deals with our relationship with God. The next, um, ignore my numbering here, it should, it should be five to ten. The, the, the next six commandments deals with our relationship with men. And so in when we divide this into two, the first part, which is the four, that deals with our relationship with God, is fulfilled if you are able to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. The next six commandment, which deals with our relationship with other men, is fulfilled if you are able to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the first four commandments, you shall not have you shall have no other God before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or above, in heaven above or on earth beneath. Or in the waters below. Number three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord. It means that you shall not use the, the name of the Lord in vain. For the Lord will, will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The fourth one, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, the fifth one is you shall honor your father and your mother. You shall honor your father and your mother. The sixth one is you shall not commit murder. Which deals with relationship with other men. Honoring your father and your mother deals with your relationship with men. You shall not commit murder deals with your relationship with men. You shall not commit adultery deals with your relationship with men. You shall not steal. You shall not give false witness against your neighbor. You shall not convert your neighbor's house. It means you shall not, you shall not convert what belongs to your neighbor. Six commandments deals with our, if you're looking at the Ten Commandments, six of them deals with our relationship towards other people. And so you cannot say that you love God. If God, giving ten commandments, gave six of those commandments um, on relationship with other people, then it tells you how important your relationship with other people is to God. As much as your relationship to God is important, God also requires that you treat other people as you love other people as you love yourself. And so Jesus Christ told them that on this, love, your, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself. On this too, hangs all the law and the prophet. All the law and the prophet has its foundation in the fact that we should love the Lord our God and we should love other people. And so tonight, I want us to examine ourselves. Are there places in our life, are there points in our lives that we only take our love towards God serious and we don't take our love towards other men as serious as we have to? The Bible says that on this hangs all the commandments. Love is a fulfillment of all the law. If you are able to love the Lord your God and you are able to love other men that God has created, you have fulfilled all the law. The Bible calls it the law of Christ. 
is that you love the Lord your God and then you love your neighbor as yourself. Loving your neighbor as yourself means that you should forgive people who have offended you. It does not mean that forgiveness is easy. But if you offend somebody, would you expect that, would you wish that the person will forgive you? Then you, in the same way, you have to forgive another person. Put yourself in that person's shoe. If you were the one who committed that offense, would you be willing to receive forgiveness? If you'll be willing to receive forgiveness, then you should be ready to also give out forgiveness. Or you should be ready to forgive that person. If you don't love your neighbor, if you don't love other people, and you profess the love of God, the Bible says that you are deceiving yourself and you have not seen God and you do not know God. And as much as it's not easy, there are people who are, we can identify as people who are easily lovable, especially people who are, are uh, they, they are not so close to us from a distance. And so when you look at them, you say, oh, this person is very lovable. Because from a distance, you think that this person has no issues. This person will not cause any problems. This person will not cause you any pain. This person will, cannot even kill a fly or cannot hurt, hurt a fly. Popular saying. But you see, those close to you, you cannot appreciate them because you know their weaknesses. You know the things they are capable of doing. But you'll be surprised that the people that you think are, 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 are lovable people, if you should spend a few weeks with them or a few days or a few hours with them, you will change your mind about them. And so let's learn to appreciate the people who are close to us. Let's not look elsewhere and think that if we're in another situation, we'll act differently. But we should ask for the help of God to be able to love the people around us. Because the Bible says that on these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophets. All the law and the prophet. Every law that you read from Leviticus or Deuteronomy. Every law that you ever read. These two commandments. They hang on these two commandments. So the commandments in the Old Testament have been summarized and made easy for us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And the good thing is that we are not doing this out of our own strength. But God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us. And so if you are struggling loving other people, if there is somebody in your life that you have said, this person, I will never forgive him. Or I'll never forgive her. Or this person, there's no way I can love her. Well, there's no way I can love him. You can go to the Holy Spirit tonight. Ask him for help to be able to love. The Bible says that for God has shared abroad the love of God in our heart. The Holy Spirit has shared abroad the love of God in our heart. And because the love of God has been shared abroad in our heart, we are able to give out love. For, for instance, the example we saw about John. When he was walking with Jesus Christ, he wanted to call down fire to burn people. He was shutting down people's ministry, stopping people from using the name of Jesus Christ. 
But after some time when he had walked with Jesus Christ, after some times when he had had fellowship with the Holy Spirit, this man became the apostle of love and was writing about love. When you read 1 John, 1 John talks so much about love for God and love for other people. But this guy definitely did not set out that way. But now he's got into the place that he's able to love people. And so all of us, all, all of us are work in progress. You might be work in progress in some of your in some instances and in dealing with some people. You are finding it difficult, you are struggling, but you can come to God and believe Him and trust Him to be able to help you to forgive everyone who has offended you so that you don't hold a grudge against anyone. The Bible says that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. We should love the Lord our God with all our heart. On these two hangs all the commandment. Love is a fulfillment of the law. In Romans chapter 13 verse 8, the Bible says, Oh no one anything except to love one another means that don't hold a grudge against anyone. Don't hold anybody's offense against him. Do not owe anybody. Sometimes there are people when you do something to against them, unless you come to them and kneel down and say, I'm sorry, they will never forgive you. And I'm not saying it's, it's not good for, it is, it is bad for people to say they are sorry. No, it's not. When you have offended somebody, the right thing to do is to apologize. But as a Christian, you don't wait for an apology before you forgive. The Bible says you should not hold anything against anyone except to love them. And so your disposition towards any other person is that you love them. No matter what they have done to you, no matter what they are doing, no matter who they are, you love them. That is your disposition towards them. It says you should not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love is a fulfillment of the law. Are you looking to please God? Walk in love. Are you looking to, 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 to fulfill the law? To fulfill the requirement of the law? Simple. Walk in love. The Bible says, For the, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there are any other commandments, all are summed up in, in this saying. Namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. This text sums up our lesson for today. He's saying that, listen, all the Ten Commandments, all the commandments, and he went further to say, if there are any other commandments, if there are any other commandments, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Simple. If there is any other requirement, it is all summed up in this thing. Even when you look at the physical laws, I mean the civil laws that governs our nation or governs um, various nations, it is summed up in one thing. If you love your neighbor as yourself, there will be no crime. If all of us are able to love our neighbor, love our friends and love everybody around us we love ourselves i believe there will be no crimes so all the law is summed up in this namely you shall love your neighbor as yourself love 
he goes on further in verse 10 to say, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, the Bible says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as a, an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you consume one another. Have you noticed the number of times the Bible says all the law is summed up in this? I was surprised to see all those th things today. I mean, these are things that we have read before. But the Bible continues to repeat to us that all the law is summed up in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul keeps reminding us, reminding the churches that love your neighbor as yourself. That is the summation of the law. That is the, the totality of the law. The, la the laws are summed up in this single word that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he was warning the Galatian church that if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you consume one another. So as believers, we are not required to devour or we are not required to destroy or put other people down. But we are supposed to provoke each other unto good works. And Paul reminds them that the summation of the law is that you love one another. That is the conclusion of the law. That is all that the law teaches us. Everything that God was trying to tell them from the beginning is simple. Summed up in one word. That we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Everything that God wanted to tell the people of Israel. That he put it in so many laws. Separate, separate law. Plenty laws. They have been summed up in one word. They have been summed up in just a few um, words. That you should love your neighbor as yourself. And loving your neighbor as yourself is not easy. But God has given us his Holy Spirit to help us to be able to love other people as we love ourselves. And so if we are seeking to please God, one of the places that we have to excel in is our love towards other people. If we are struggling to love other people, we need to go to God and ask him for help to be able to love. So as the whole world celebrates love, um, um, that, that has been secularized so much. But love, we understand that love being the nature of God is pure. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. And so a day that is set aside to celebrate love is not a day for immorality. It's not a day that immorality has to be in ascendancy. Because love does not rejoice in iniquity. But love is pure because love is the nature of God. And so um, let's not just buy in into the secular um, definitions that the world has given love. Let's not buy in into the secular celebrations that people um, have given to love or are using to define love. 
let's not allow netflix or hollywood or any other hood to define what love is to us but love comes from god love is god and so if we want to understand what love is we need to come back to god so that we'll understand what love is our christian walk has been made simple for us love the lord your god with all your heart with all your mind and with all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself these two are fulfillment of all the requirements of the law amen man any question or contribution any question or contribution Right. We still have some more time, so if, if there's no question or contribution, then anyone wants to share with us what, what he has learned today? We have about eight minutes. Anyone wants to share with us? Or something, maybe something that you have, as I was talking, maybe I didn't mention it, but the Holy Spirit ministered to you or something that came to your mind. You can please share with us. Or anything you want to share with us about love, please go ahead. Yeah, um, something I learned that, I, or something you said, the the Ten Commandments. That I've been, I wasn't thinking about the Ten Commandments per se, but I was thinking about what Christianity really is, and I realized that is to do good to each other. You know, Jesus told the disciples, "If you love yourself, if you love each other, people would know that you are my disciples." So. And when you said that majority of the law was for us, it's a relationship between each other. And uh, I, that was uh, a big revelation for me. So thank you. Man, we thank God. Yeah, thank God. And thank God bless you for sharing with us. Yeah, Jesus said that the world will know that we are his followers if we love one another. That is the way that people will know that we are followers of Christ. Thank you so much. God bless you, Mr. for sharing. Any other person wants to share with us? All right. Okay. All right. So if there's no other... We still have five minutes, and I um. A question. Okay. But what what will we say to um people who are still struggling to make sense of, let's say, the Old Testament? You know, God will pronounce plagues and things to punish the people of Israel, especially when they went into idolatry. A typical story is maybe David. The Bible says that um. David's heart was lifted because he had, you know, a very powerful army. And he sent Joab to go and have a census. And when he had a census, the Bible says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against David. And 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 the Lord asks for three things. What does um, David want? Either he falls in the hands of his enemy, 
either the, the, the Israelites are taken captive or a plague for three days. And David rather chose the plague for three days. You know, so when you look at scriptures like this, how are we able to maybe talk to that average believer and say that God is a God of love? Because sometimes when you reconcile these two scriptures, it becomes very hard. Yeah, um, yeah so, um, so my understanding is that when all the actions that God um, took that might look like he was against um, the people of Israel was to bring them to the place where they were going to repent and come back to him. God, what he really desired from the beginning was that he will be their God and, um, and then they will be his people. And so anytime they were moving away from God, God found a way to bring them back. So God sometimes allows their enemies to, to take them captives or they allows their enemies to overpower them and so that they will repent. And anytime that they repented, God took them back. God helped them. And so every single thing that um, um, God did in his relationship with them was to make sure that he... He kept them close to himself. And so God allowed punishment or God punished them so that they will have, they will repent and then they will come back to him, which is the rightful place that they have to be. And so God will use that means to always bring them to themselves, to, I mean, to himself. I don't know if there, um, any person has um, an additional contribution. Okay, so um, in the chat box, Pastor says, we also have to remember that Christ had not yet come at that time. Yeah, so Pastor Jessica says, Christ had not come at that time, which Christ was going to, going to be the ultimate plan and the um, ultimate demonstration of God's love to mankind. And at that time, Christ had not been revealed. Um, another point in the chat box, God's love is very profound. It amazes me continuously. When we apply God's love to ourselves, we can apply it to others. Yeah, a very, very powerful point. Once we receive God's love and we apply it, and we see how God loves us, we see the reflection of how God loves us, we are able to also um, love other people in, in the same way. Um, Pastor Steve, I don't know if we... we we have touched on the question or is there any additional points you would like to add to it oh it was clear thank you all right okay thank god um let's just let's just use two this two minutes to pray asking god to help us help us love as in as much as we can see all these beautiful things about love it is not easy to walk in love, but we know that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can do it. Because God will not ask us to do something that we cannot do. God will not say forgive when he knows you cannot forgive. And so whenever you say, oh, I cannot forgive, I cannot forgive, then you are saying that you disagree with God. But when God says forgive, it means he has enabled you to forgive. When God says love other people as yourself, it means he has enabled you to love other people as yourself. And so let's just pray right now, receiving the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk in love. 
towards other people in the name of Jesus. Let's just pray in the next one minute. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you praise. Lord, we thank you for your love that you have shared abroad in our heart, for the love that you have bestowed upon us that we are called children of God. Father, we thank you for this love. We receive it, O God, and we appreciate the love that you have shown us. Lord, we come before you this evening as we ask for help to be able to walk in love in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that we'll be able to show forth your love to the rest of the world. Help us that we'll be able to love our neighbors as ourselves. Help us, Lord, to forgive people who have offended us. Help us, Lord, issues that we are holding against other people. We pray in the name of Jesus that we will have nothing against any man except to love them in Jesus' mighty name. We receive of your strength to be able to walk in love, to be able to walk in patience towards other people, to be able to forgive others who have offended us in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that if we have offended anyone, you will touch their heart, that they will also be able to forgive us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.